The following message is brought to you by Balsamic. Balsamic have decided to support the SAS district community by donating their sponsored airtime to some of our listeners. This episode is sponsored by Demand Maven, a women-owned consultancy that helps early-stage SaaS companies and startups reach their very first growth milestones, from the first 100 customers to the first 1,000. They help early-stage SaaS companies reach their very first revenue milestones through growth strategies that work. By working with Demand Maven, they will help you identify your best-paying customers through customer research, troubleshoot your growth blockers, define your new improved growth strategy, and launch your very first campaigns. If you need help in defining your best customer and building successful funnels that you need to turn your prospect into customers, visit demandmaven.io today. If you'd like to receive a promo code for Balsamic or even just thank the folks at Balsamic for supporting our community, please check out our show notes where we include a link to that promo code specifically for the SaaS district community. Thank you all. This is your host, Akil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how to scale an edtech SaaS company around the top education systems in Europe. Today, we have our guest, Kadri Tuis, joining us. Kadri is an IT and service design professional and the founder and CEO of ClanBeat, which is a platform that helps people become self-aware individuals with strong self-management skills so they can reach their true potential. Her passion lies in people and creating an impact on this world via technology. She has a strong entrepreneurial mindset, a big believer of design thinking, and focuses on building and growing strong communities in schools, NGOs, growth accelerators, and volunteer groups that are oriented for individual and collegial growth with her platform, ClanBeat. Kadri dreams of a future where teachers, or as she prefers coaches, are able to notice each student's individual needs and to offer growth journeys designed around each and every individual needs. Welcome, Kadri. Super excited to have you on our show today. Hi, Akil. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, no worries. So for those people who don't have a little bit of background of what ClanBeat is, from my understanding, you guys have raised just over 1.2 million uh, last year and are currently in the process of raising another round thanks to the acceleration in ed tech innovation due to COVID. Uh, was, was, was that a seed round? And where is the company now in terms of the size? Yes, sir. Actually, it uh, was a pre-seed, uh, and uh, we, right now we are in this mindset of uh, not defining something as seed, pre-seed, or, or uh, a round, not yet, and uh, thinking of uh, taking money in uh, uh, as we need. And uh, and if we are in this journey of uh, building the company, then uh, yes, indeed, we did raise uh, around uh, last year, and right but right now the opportunities uh, which have been risen. Um, Due to COVID uh, in the education world, uh, uh, we see very great acceleration in uh, bringing innovation into education. And right now, this is the time uh, to really do edtech. So, like, uh, it's going to be like this moment where to seize it. And then we are uh, taking all the opportunities to really be there with the right product at the right time. So. This is Absolutely. the reason where we are looking into this right now. And uh, you asked also where we are with the company right now. So we are still a very small team, uh, around 10 people uh, located in Estonia, but a remote team. 
so uh, we are having really uh, agile and flexible uh, mindset. And uh, we have just launched a new product, uh, uh, which uh, came out from the learnings of COVID and, and all the clients we've been working together with, uh, uh, focusing on the student well-being and growth, uh, which came to be uh, into really, really big uh, pain point uh, during this COVID time. And, and right now we are in a scaling phase with this product. Nice. And uh, for, for those, can you share a little bit about how you've allocated those funds that you've raised so far? Where have you seen the best return for, for the growth of where you are today? Yes. Now, when the COVID started, then uh, we saw a really big opportunity uh, on our current platform, uh, which uh, we have been uh, uh, having for a few years already, which is uh, teacher focused. And uh, this is a growth platform for teachers and school staff uh, where they can actually have meaningful one-on-ones, share their highs and lows and have this community of uh, collaboration together. And during the COVID time, uh, this came uh, we rebranded it into the virtual teachers lounge and uh, and started spreading uh, the word around that and uh, and uh, most of our efforts went to into spreading that but at the same time where we when we were working together with uh, teachers and school staff we uh, uh, were on the side building a new product which is uh, totally student centric so uh, we started building the new product uh, and uh, right now we have uh, uh, the first customers being onboarded so we have allocated uh, much of the funds uh, from this investment into building the new product and right now uh, scaling it. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, one thing you mentioned is how you've purposely designed your life and company through COVID with a lot of changes going around in this world. Can you talk about how you suggest maybe other founders to create and adjust their both their life and business during times when there's so much uncertainty going on? Oh, yes. Uh, first, maybe we can uh, touch the topic of how to design your company on the times of uncertainty and then maybe go into more personal level. Sure. And uh, I, I think this is a really uh, cool experiment to really dive into because uh, uh, the product which I mentioned uh, earlier that we have been building during the COVID and and, uh, from the investment uh, uh, we raised earlier, then uh, this uh, we have been building totally in co-creation model, meaning that uh, we've been doing co-creation together with schools, with school leaders. We have educational psychology scientists uh, co-creating this product together with us. And what's most important, students... uh, uh, of our target uh, markets. So we have had like like literally students in our office uh, or in the Zoom calls uh, bringing out what are the pains. We have been designing the product together, together with them. They have been drawing wireframes. What would they like to see? And so my development team has been like making it into reality. And I think this is uh, the most agile way how to react to... Uh, things which are happening around you, which you might not understand completely. So those people who are actually in this turbulence, uh, they uh, feel the pain the most. So it's much more uh, uh, reasonable to bring them into your development process as well and uh, do it together with them 
And so you're solving actual problems. This is something uh, really interesting to build something in co-creation. But uh, if you're building something in co-creation, then you have to have really strong vision. And, uh, and our vision is personalized learning how the learning can adjust according to each individual's uh, needs. So if you have this North Star, then the ways how to get there together with your uh, users, I think this is a really uh, fascinating journey how to build on. And uh, if we are going into designing your life and how to really uh, understand how, how you as a founder can uh, can live through this period of time at hand, then uh, uh, I've been a really big fan of journaling and uh, really finding out those things which are affecting me and uh, reflecting meaningfully. And this is also something I really want to bring into schools and, uh, and, uh, and student level as well. So there would be more agency around students so they would be able to uh, take meaningful actions in their life and... Uh, and if we are talking about the cycle of constant improvement, then this is like planning, acting and reflecting. So you cannot just mindlessly do those things. And and for me, designing the processes around uh, through meaningful reflection has been a center point of uh, how how I do things and how I adjust myself according to what works for me and what doesn't and what brings impact. So I really think always about the impact as well. I love it. Love it. Yeah. So I've, I've been actually journaling since I think almost five or six years now consistently. I think that's one of the vices in the morning that I actually stick to. Something I switched to in the last uh, few months has been morning pages. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. heard about that, but I highly suggest you check that out for especially in our audience. So it's basically you're, you're writing three full pages every single day and you write it without judgment, thinking that, you know, you're going to burn this mm-hmm. page at the end of the day. So you just get everything out of your mind and it just brings so much clarity in uh, a lot of things in your life. So very, very cool. Oh, it does. Can, yeah. I'd love to see kids doing that early on. Yeah. Yeah. It's lovely that you brought it out because we have this monkey mind, which like uh, is affecting us doing those things, which are really important. And, uh, and if you get those things out from your mind in the morning, then you're much more productive and, and have much more focus. And if you're talking about kids, then uh, uh, maybe if you remember from your own, own school uh, times, then, uh, uh, we uh, used to go through the school system, like being told what we are told to do and following everybody else's rules and adjusting to everybody else's wants and uh, and doing those things which are measured like grades, which actually don't matter so much uh, and not building things up from the internal motivation, but uh, from the expectations from society, parents, school. And, uh, and if there would be more self-driven people in the world with a strong self-management skills, imagine the potential we could all have. So oh. I think this is a really, really nice thing uh, <laughs> to implement in schools as well. I love a world like that where everybody's all self-driven and motivated. <laughs> so speaking about the, the North Star, which you, you mentioned, so I feel ed, ed tech specifically is a underserved topic in general, but also on our podcast. And it's a branch I think it's, it's uh, our audience would be interested in learning more about and are interested in exploring and learning. So for those in our audience who don't know Clan Beat, um, can you tell us just a little bit more how it started and what, what is it the problem you're really looking to solve with, with building it? Yes, we are uh, solving two major problems uh, in uh, and challenges in education right now. This is student growth and well-being. And by growth, we mean uh, student autonomy and agency of uh, 
taking active role in the learning so they wouldn't be passive uh, in, in receiving the education and learning. They would be actually uh, building it up based on their internal motivation and where they want to go in life. And uh, well-being is that we don't want to look learning in isolation like this is something you do from eight to three o'clock and then go home and then be a human and with your own uh, old hobbies and wants and dreams about the future so uh, our vision is that uh, to look human as a whole uh, not just learning machine and and if we're talking about students then uh, to integrate uh, this kind of uh, holistic view into the uh, students life so they would also learn where to put those pieces they are learning uh, in the school. So they must have uh, like their North Stars as well. And they would uh, have to have those skills, how to identify those and how to design your learning journey according to those North Stars. And, and, and even if you don't have those North Stars, how to make baby steps towards uh, uh, reaching those goals. And, and it is our, in our passion to really help students in self-discovery help them in setting their goals, uh, meaningful goals for them. And along with setting their meaningful life goals, also adjust their learning goals uh, into that journey. So for students, it looks like e-diary or everything where they're marking down their homework and their future dreams. But we have implemented the constant improvement cycle where they are doing their planning, acting together uh, with the classmates or project group mates or, or alone. And then... Uh, the most important part is reflecting like how those things are, are affecting you. Is it hard for you? Is it easy? And uh, if we are talking about personalized learning, then uh, uh, then 80% of uh, the learning has to be in like your comfort zone where you feel that, oh, I'm good at this and I'm achieving things. And mm. 20% has to be like outside of your comfort zone where you're like feeling like I'm struggling. I suck at this. And this is where the growth actually happens. And, um, and mm. for every individual, this 80-20 balance is different. So if we are thinking of uh, how to really design a well-functioning education system then uh, and how personalized learning should be done, then... Uh, finding out what is this 80-20 for each individual and how to really design learning according to that. It has to start from really understanding like each mm. individual and yourself. And, uh, and we give a lot of insights into this uh, personalized uh, learning planning and, and also supporting students in their journey. And uh, we are totally student-centric, student-focused. Uh, so this is a tool for them, but we also give... Uh, uh, data insights to homeroom teachers and school levels, so how they could uh, support the growth and well-being of those students mm. uh, and really be like this kind of partner, not somebody who is like a big brother or supervising, but somebody who is really supporting them and trying to lift them to the new heights. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So, you know, we're recording this today here in September, you know, school just started a few weeks ago. Um, you know, many students are starting to go back, you know, all over the world. And I know many students are, are complaining now that are un un enrolled in online classes. They just aren't performing as well and just really dislike it. But then there's also other ones who are excelling because they don't have the distractions around them uh, from keeping them to do their work. How do you so just creating an ed tech product along with a better user experience that appeals to both students and teachers, uh, you know, making it user friendly to teachers and engaging enough to keep the students interested. Mm -hmm. So uh, as I mentioned, then this, uh, uh, how 
uh, people are uh, receiving uh, education and our learning is different. And I think it all comes down to learning to learn skills, meaning mm. that uh, this is some kind of skill which is uh, usually not taught in schools, but this is really vital in becoming best version of yourself. If you crack down, like, how do you learn the best? Then you have cracked down, like, uh, one of the major keys in advancing yourself and uh, and if we are thinking how people are learning how they learn best then it comes through like noticing yourself and noticing your growth and really reflecting like was it hard for me was it easy how did I feel about it uh, did I go into this uh, uh, like into this assignment uh, like with a closed mindset or was I really open to receive and and uh, also like uh, what kind of methods are working for me and what what are not and mm. uh, some progressive schools already are uh, uh, are working on different models of uh, supporting students on uh, on different learning to learn methods so some students can have can have distance learning or some students need group work or some students actually uh, need to design their own days. So we have experimental schools who are, have students coming in in the beginning of week and having post-its put in the wall, like what and how do I want to learn this week? So mm. there are like um, different models being experimented on, but I think uh, the crucial part of it is like really understanding yourself. How do I learn the best and design your learning? Mm. And if you're thinking about, for example, reading a book, like if you have to read a book for the after a month and you're discovering it one day before the assignment is due, then you're getting like really big anxiety and stress levels. And I think it's uh, it's unnecessary stress. And I think it's the same with online learning. Some students mm -hmm. try to uh, like it and some, some don't. So you have to find the best methods for yourself and the school has to be there to support those methods. Mm. Yeah, I guess you, you've got a lot of different, you know, personalities, governance, uh, you know, people to manage and, and, and figure out that expectation to figure out that balance. Um, you know, specifically for you guys, what are the biggest challenges you guys are facing to help improve that? Yes, uh, the biggest uh, challenge actually is the different levels where schools are at on supporting their students and uh, personalizing and supporting the individual support. Mm. Uh, we have seen the biggest advancement, advancements right now in international and private schools uh, where actually this uh, student support group uh, of uh, education psychologists, uh, social workers uh, and any kind of support group uh, supporting those schools is uh, in the best level. And, uh, and I can just bring one example. For example, one of the schools we are working together, they are having individual learning plans for 30 to 40% of students right now. And these are kids in special needs, like who are having autism, who are having Asperger, Asperger's, uh, and et cetera. So, oh. so, but the trend is that 100% of students should be having uh, individual learning plans, not 40 or 80 percent so this is something uh, to really look forward to how to uh, offer this kind of support to all all students and some schools are more advanced of thinking those things through and some are still mm. uh, giving this bulk education same size fits all and uh, and it, it really depends on the school level so this is our biggest challenge how to find those mm. schools uh, who are in the level of uh, wanting to give the support and and 
for us, it's also to the challenge to meet them where they are right now. So we don't want to be the blocker in a way that uh, we are so advanced already, you cannot use us. So we really want to meet them where they are and really to help them step by step, uh, not uh, really uh, changing in a way that they need to hire staff, but how with the same capacity they have right now, they could offer more personalized uh, learning. So mm -hmm. this is our goal. Makes sense. So, so the one big challenge is obviously the different levels and, and where the school is at right now. Um, mm -hmm. you know, on the other side, you know, I think you guys serve almost all levels of education. How, how difficult is it to bring this balance to the whole spectrum of the age groups? Because I imagine, you know, it'll be different for five year olds versus, you know, 15 year olds. Or, or does it sure. are, are you guys focused on certain age groups? Sure. Uh, our first focus is on upper school level. We are starting from the grades five and six, so where the kids are 10 and 11 years old. And, uh, and our focus is K-12 schools, which is like up to uh, 12th grade. Uh, but right now we are also in a co collaboration of many universities. And, uh, and, uh, and I think the vocational education and university education is also which uh, requires this self-directed learning and student agency. And uh, for the younger kids uh, who are, uh, I think, uh, why we started uh, approaching students in the first place is that uh, we saw that this is a place where we could give them the biggest impact to the world because this is the time where they are still evolving and developing. And, and we have seen that if you start too old, then they are not able to adjust into this self-directed uh, learning model. And they are already used to following everybody else's rules and becoming the perfect workers for the factories, basically, or the bus, bus drivers. But, uh, but if you approach them young enough to teach them uh, methodologies of think with their own head and uh, understand who they are and what they want from this world and how they can bring positive change into the world, then there is a still chance <laughs> to really... Um, to really guide them and give them the platform of uh, of succeeding and uh, and this is why we are focusing on students in first place and mm. first focus is on upper school level but we hope to get uh, soon also to the younger kids uh, because there is so much to do in there as well uh, different methods but uh, but small baby steps uh, they can already start thinking with the right mindset yeah it's a big challenge right? you got and, so and, many, so and, much I, and 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 Yes, and I really believe that uh, like technology is not the answer to everything here. Uh, mm. uh, this 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 might be the solution for the upper school level, but for the younger school level, we we could offer methodologies, lesson plans, uh, materials, how to really support younger kids as well. Yeah. So I, I imagine the the education industry is quite risk averse in general, right? Usually they prefer to add or adapt to well known established solutions. Uh, to their institutions. How does McClanbeat uh, overcome that hurdle with users and educating them to shift their thinking and maybe adopt uh, an innovative solution? Because you said you try to come to their level, but you know you're, maybe you're, mm -hmm. you're a little bit more innovative than what they're used to. And how do you bridge that gap so that they can understand and, and want to give it a shot? Yes, uh, you're, you're <laughs> absolutely right. And uh, we have seen it uh, a lot that they already, they want something really, really innovative, but they want something 
something which has been working for many, many years already. So there is this kind of controversy like written inside uh, and uh, they want to have everything, but you cannot have everything. And uh, we have also uh, experienced it because I'm mentoring some co-creation groups uh, uh, of other EDTEHs as well, like how to really uh, work together with schools and, uh, and they are having difficulties in uh, getting into schools if they're like uh, nobody. And how do you build up those relationships? Our advantage uh, has been that we have been working together with schools uh, or already for many years and we have mm. gotten some nice prizes and, uh, and we are really uh, having a really, really good cooperation uh, with Estonian government and, uh, and, uh, and Ministry of Education. And, and we are one of the ambassadors of Education Nation, which means that uh, this is one of the uh, organizations uh, um, advocating Estonian education system, which is really good in the world. Uh, one of the best, it is the best education system in the Europe and one of the best ones in the world. So we have uh, uh, professionals in our team who have already gained their uh, trust and and uh, uh, and um, based on their history of uh, doing already great things and uh, translating that into technology has been giving an extra boost to that. So we have this kind of uh, uh, knowledge base and, uh, and, and we are also working together with education psychology scientists from uh, the best university who are already having, having a really good reputation as well of uh, really supporting things which are science-based mm -hmm. uh, and really bringing the results. So mm -hmm. I think there is also if you're bring, if you're building an edtech, then uh, uh, it's really vital to understand that if you're building something which is shaping people's future and this is having a really big impact on people's lives, that you would do it uh, not in your basement and uh, and in, mm -hmm. in with the methods like uh, trial and error but uh, really putting some thought and love and, uh, and uh, knowledge into it, then uh, I think then you're having much more better chances in working together with schools. And this mm -hmm. has been also our, our formula of building things. Makes sense. So having the research, having the, the, the experience and the background and the strong expertise behind you to back you. And the other challenge, I guess, you know, if you can overcome that is the, the ROI um, of, of the investment, right? So ROI is you know, a challenge for ed tech and SaaS in the education sector. Educators are maybe unlikely to buy solutions that they think they're going to use maybe once or twice throughout the year and then probably abandon it, right? Um, how does Clan mm -hmm. be keep, because you have to keep, how do you keep adding constant value at, at you know, and throughout which stage of the, of the learning process so they keep using it and see the value of the, their investment? Sure. Uh, Clanbit model is built up in a way that students are using Clanbit every day. Uh, right now, the user engagement is in a way that the average student is engaging with our app 17 minutes per day, meaning that they are doing their planning and learning and, uh, and communication around the learning after school uh, inside Clanbit app. And uh, for the school, we are providing the data reflection back based on the activities which students are having and also helping them to do pulse service and more aggregated data analysis based on those topics which are important to the school. For example, some schools are struggling with certain parts of well-being due to school inspections and they really want to put emphasis on that. So, so this is really monetizable from the aspect of bringing them to the new level. Uh, 
Mm. And uh, and we are mod- operating on a really simple SaaS model based on uh, number of users uh, uh, priced per year. So, for example, we are having a pricing model of uh, one classroom uh, at the school is free for usage. So we are able to spread fast and uh, and for free. Nice. And if the school wants to spread school wide, then they have to. Uh, go to price model, which is uh, 12 euros per user per year. Uh, so this is not something super expensive. Uh, it is a- affordable and, uh, and, and usually fits into the price model of, uh, of schools uh, budgets. Yeah, I, I love that. So you, you do the freemium, you give them a, a taste, a kind of a trial for one of their, their classrooms. If they, if they find that they're actually yeah. adopting it, that's cool. So they don't have to commit to it and they get to see actual user feedback. Yes. That's very smart. And then it's a dollar a month per student. So, you know, a school of 500,000, you know, that's not, that's not that bad at all. That's, that's awesome. Yes. Um, and then how do you approach the platform and, you know, the, the, to manage the relationship between the students and the teachers? Is there any tools or strategies that can be done to enrich you're saying, you know, both their well-being and relationship, or is it just kind of individually kind of assessed? Um, maybe I specify your question. Your question was like how this is contributing to the relationship of student and teacher or individually, both of them. Both All of right. them together, yeah. As, yes. So uh, some of the schools uh, which are using us are using it actually to boost the relationship uh, between teachers and students to give this kind of helicopter view first uh, to the teacher uh, our app is actually giving red and green flags, like where to jump in, like who needs support uh, and uh, to whom to put more emphasis on. And uh, and uh, schools are using it in a way that students are doing weekly reflections, which they are sharing with the homeroom teacher, like how they're doing, where they're stuck, where they're struggling, what were the biggest learning points for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, with this kind of uh, communication, teachers are building up the relationship and learning more about their students. So this is something which helps them to understand them more as a humans mm-hmm. and, uh, and to really build up on this relationship. If we are thinking of the regular school models, then they are having this uh, student development uh, meetings once or twice a year to really yeah. understand like how you're doing, where you're struggling. But the, uh, it has to be live. It has to be ongoing. Uh, mm-hmm. Because like if you're doing this meeting like half a year after some bullying or some kind of uh, event which really affected you is happening, then this is like already like train is gone already. So it has to be happening in live, and but not to be overwhelming for the homeroom teacher because we really want to give them like the means of understanding where to jump in and where to uh, where not to, and uh, and this is the student and the teacher relationship, but we are also fostering uh, uh, students' relationships, and uh, we have in our app uh, the possibility to. Uh, do group work together, uh, share tasks, uh, grab each other's tasks, reflect openly about some things or privately if you want. And we have also uh, bucket list ideas where they can like share their future dreams and they can see like who is interested in the same dreams which I have and they have a community around them and get some like actions going and uh, plan together how to achieve those goals to have like mastermind groups based on those uh, uh, those uh, bucket list ideas and interests of yours. So we are right. also uh, focusing on this same sense of belonging and uh, and having students together, working, collaborating, 
And uh, maybe I think something really important is also that you and I, we are stupid in the way that uh, we are already too old and mm. they are having their own ways of solving things. So I wouldn't put too much adult supervision into some kinds of plannings because yeah. they know already much more better some things than we do. Definitely, 100%. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I can see that. I guess that's nice to have that support group. I think that's actually really important. So, you know, coming away from just waiting until the end of the year to get a report card with your grades on it, you're having constant feedback, live feedback, like you said, and then also the support group to help you wherever you're, you're, you're uh, you know, you're lacking or need help on. Um, so you mentioned Estonia as, you know, as, as known to having a major education ranking and programs, probably the, one of the best in Europe or even across the world. Can you tell us a little bit more about the education nation and how that works in conjunction with your, with your guys' solution? Sure. Uh, education nation is a government initiative uh, of uh, our Ministry of Education. And this is meant to uh, support uh, other countries' uh, education systems of implementing the best practices uh, that we have been uh, uh, benefiting from so greatly. And uh, we are really open of uh, offering our uh, systems and uh, and knowledge to other countries, so they could actually uh, uh, learn from our mistakes and learn from our successes. So really, to um, uh, power up and boost the world education in that way. And uh, and we have uh, really good examples of uh, how to manage uh, schools, how to manage school systems, and what kind of solutions to use and how to set up uh, the school system in general uh, to really support the uh, results and the student centricity. I think uh, some of the really good examples of Estonian education system is that the teachers, for example, have a lot of autonomy, how to design mm -hmm. their own uh, classes. So this is not kind of factory on conveyor where everybody has to teach the same. So teacher can choose based on their personality and based on their teaching style and of their classes needs and how they're progressing, like how they are actually teaching some things. And I think this is really humane way how to look at things and uh, not this kind of mass education where you're like putting education into the student's head and uh, mm -hmm. hoping them to reach the goals. And, and there are so many more amazing things. And, and many Estonian education technology companies have made themselves uh, free of use uh, to all the world uh, schools who need them. So uh, this is something uh, which we can uh, spread out as a link uh, afterwards in your uh, podcast if somebody is interested in looking into the solutions which are free to use. Absolutely. So... Yes. Yes. So Very this is a really cool. nice, in, in, really nice initiative of yeah. our government. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of countries should look up to you and, and model, try to model that, right? If it seems to work, and I, I absolutely love it. Well, where do you see the education industry moving towards? Say, in the, you know, in the short term, maybe this year, next year, and maybe in the long term after that. I think this year or next year is going to see a, a really big boost in. Uh, uh, in getting to the place where we've been trying to get already for many, many years. Uh, because uh, digitalization and uh, also humanization of education uh, has been waiting and waiting and waiting for people to really understand the urgency of it. And right now the urgency is straight in our face. Mm. And I think this is something uh, really good for, for education in the long run. 
And if you are looking at education in the long run, then, uh, for example, OECD strategy of 2035 and, and many other uh, countries in individually, uh, Estonia including, are having in their strategies personalized learning and uh, uh, self-directed learning. So these are uh, the uh, keywords of where the education is actually going. And if we are talking about social emotional skills, learning to learn skills, uh, and how to really support the, the like education system where we don't know what's going to happen in five years. So students have to be ready for this. Uh, we are calling this VUCA world, which is like um, the world of uh, unknown and uh, uncertainty. So, mm-hmm. so students uh, might uh, change the careers uh, like seven times. So, we and we don't know even which kind of jobs are going to be existing uh, when they grow up. So the education system has to be really ag- agile and uh, and uh, uh, adjusting to each individual needs. And right now we are living in this like service economy, but the, we are moving towards ubiquitous economy, which means that the services are morphing around each individual's needs. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is happening to education, like. It has to adjust to each individual needs, and this is something we are working towards uh, as well. Hundred percent, yeah. And do, do you have any other areas that you can share with our audience that in this space that you see big opportunities for other entrepreneurs to, to capitalize on right now? Oh, wow! Well, <laughs> there is actually so much to do in education that. Uh, uh, for example, when we started doing co-creation together with schools, uh, then we were mapping down all of their pains. Uh, uh, we started uh, from value proposition design and we started uh, mapping down their pains, their gains and their main jobs, what they have to do. And uh, and uh, we were left with a roadmap like that long that we cannot even like start doing because it this doesn't fit into our like capacity right now so main main areas which we saw uh, from the education sphere coming out is that uh, uh, besides the like uh, personalized learning there is so much to do in uh, uh, supporting students so most of the uh, systems in the world are focusing on uh, how to manage schools uh, like technically but all this human kind of technology of how to support students uh, there's so much things to do and uh, and and also to uh, if we are looking at students uh, as like humans then uh, their uh, schools are missing uh, uh, so much technology how to support students in this journey and uh, and also if we are thinking of uh, the personalized learning, then the teacher role is going to be uh, transformed uh, not into teacher but into coach. So, if you're talking about this transformation, then th- this is something also where lots of support is needed. How to transform and how to upgrade the teachers into the coaches level. Uh, this is something uh, uh, a big work needs to be done as well, and lots of opportunities to jump into there. And I think. Uh, if you're looking how learning management systems are changing, then this is also something which we are not doing. Then, um, then learning management systems uh, are those who have to adapt as well. And right now, most of the learning management systems in the world are made by country by country. So each country mm-hmm. has their own learning management systems. And uh, so this is something uh, which I see that the world is actually globalizing in a way that the education is becoming more and more universal. So there is lots of opportunity of uh, 
uh, tracking down what is this world universe, like world education, and uh, and how to step out from this uh, each country's individual uh, needs of uh, education and how to find the common ground. Because right now, if we're thinking what COVID brought, we have seen so much of opportunities of you can learn from anywhere, and yeah. uh, you don't have to be back to any any countries or government's education system you can do it individually from bahamas or from maldives or from estonia like it doesn't matter where you are exactly and i think there is so much opportunity in that you can do it in from mars you can do it from mars <laughs> yeah i mean yes. if i can uh, put my kid in a school in estonia i mean get the same education level that already has that model and and you'll piggyback off what's already working why would i put her in another school system that that's based on where I locally live. Right. So definitely lots of interesting opportunities yes. there. Yeah. Um, cool. Our last question. Thank you so much. Uh, Kadri, how can our audience get in touch with you and learn more about what you're working on? Sure. Uh, you could uh, really, uh, visit our website. It's called clanbeat.com. And if anybody has any personal interests or questions, then you can just write me Kadri at, clanbeat.com and, uh, and connect me through email or, or write to me in LinkedIn. Okay. Awesome. We'll add those links to our show notes. Thank you so much, Kadri. I really appreciate you jumping on today. And this was, this was great. Awesome. I really learned a lot here. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. All right. Thank you all for listening in to this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at horizoncapital.com. And myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please DM us on Instagram or LinkedIn at Horizon Capital and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and hope to see you on the next one.